Hello everyone, I'm Lindsay Dowd and I'm delighted to welcome you to our latest Link Group podcast, which we are still recording from our respective homes during the ongoing pandemic implications. For today's topic, we're going to be taking a look at the alternative investment market, otherwise known as AIM. AIM was launched in 1995, so it's actually 25 years old this year. It was launched with just 10 companies and a total market value of £82 million. And today it has 750 companies from the British Isles, together with a further 89 international firms, and has a collective market value of £97.4 billion as at the end of June this year. Its mission is to provide access to capital for fledgling companies, imposing a lighter regulatory burden than the main market so that smaller companies can also access the benefits which come from public ownership. And here at Link, we were delighted that in quarter three of this year, we again topped the tables in the advisors rankings guide as the leading provider of share registration services to the AIM listed community. So today I'm delighted to be joined by two of my colleagues, Kit Atkinson, who is Head of Capital Markets, and Jay Baker, who is Head of Industry, both at Corporate Markets at Link Group. So um, I wonder if I could start with you, Kit. Uh, Perhaps you could begin by giving us an overview of the impact of the unprecedented market conditions we've been seeing this year on AIM and any trends that we're seeing emerge Sure. I mean, it's it's not been quite such an auspicious 25th anniversary for AIM as many would have hoped for. There have clearly been challenges across the market, not restricted to, to the growth segment. But just to characterise some of the, the longer term trends as well, um, I know in your introduction, you mentioned the number of companies now admitted to AIM. I think that is unfortunately significantly lower than it was at the the high water mark back in 2006 prior to the financial crisis where there were more than 1300 companies admitted to trading on aim so there's been a steady decline over the last 10 to 15 years accelerated really by the the, the financial crisis in 2009 this year has really continued that trend with 13 IPOs to the end of August but 45 companies being removed from AIM either through cancellation of their admission to trading or by being acquired. So the long-term implications of or the the long-term trends are that there is a a decrease in the number of companies admitted to trading and to be honest that fits with the the main market really and, and public markets in general. I think there is a a feeling that with private equity, a wash with cash, with increasing obligations on public companies, the the, the public markets are presenting, in some cases, a, a less attractive funding alternative to the private routes that, that we've seen over recent years. And clearly, that could change. But um, yeah, there, there are definitely some concerns out there. But just to counter that and to, to try and shine some sunlight on things. You mentioned the market cap of, of companies on AIM in your intro as well. As at the end of um, August, that, that that's actually at an all-time high. And that's made up of more than 20 companies worth more than £1 billion. Um, the largest company on AIM is actually ASOS with a market cap of £5 billion. So you know, if it were to seek a premium listing on the main market, would be a, a constituent of the FTSE 100. 
so clearly aim is a market for 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 companies of all size really you know it's not just that growth market anymore though clearly that's what it's in, in the intention is i think just to highlight some other positives in terms of trading there's been a, a record number of trades per day throughout this year and the 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 volume of trades has been a, at a record this year um and actually before covid um in 2019 dividends were at a record level for aim as well so despite the fact that the number of companies is declining clearly the the, the quality of those companies is climbing. Companies are choosing in many cases to stick with AIM rather than move up to the main market. So there's definitely some positive news stories there. Mm. Now, clearly, COVID will have impacted that. And the recently published AIM dividend monitor, which Link released on a quarterly basis, mm. did highlight the impact that COVID has had. Um, you know, dividends are down significantly. But having said that, AIM companies have proved more robust, actually, than their main market counterparts. So you've actually seen fewer AIM companies cancelling or reducing their dividends than was the case with main market companies. And the culture of paying dividends is very firmly taking hold within AIM. So back in 2012, there were 26% of AIM companies paid a dividend. In 2019, at that record high point, that that reached 35% of companies. So once again, more positive news coming out of AIM. We we hope that once the uh, the pandemic comes to an end, that that, that strong growth, 18% growth trend year on year in the value of dividends being paid will will resume. Although we have suggested in our most recent research that those dividends will not return to their pre-COVID levels until probably 2022 or 2023 at the earliest. So testing times, but hopefully some that we can, that we'll see the back of soon. Thanks very much, Kit. Um, I think just before we, we explore uh, some other elements of AIM, I think it would be good just to uh, bring in Jay. And I just wonder, Jay, do, do you have any observations, particularly um, on the dividend piece from the broader market perspective? Yeah, Yes, thank thank you, Lindsay. Um, I thought that was a, a really good appraisal actually by Kit, and he's uh, stolen a lot of my thunder. Um, so not much more to add there. Uh, I mean, interestingly, about the market cap value of AIM, we we already know that the top twenty five companies of, of on AIM represent about a third of that complete uh, market capitalization. So that's a great uh, indicator of of how of how good AIM is at uh, bringing bringing companies. Uh, through this journey of of growth, uh, and I, and I think that that will continue. Um, the dividend question is 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 one I know that uh, that Kit has just just touched on, and I and I and I hope that I would share the same optimism about dividend growth on the AIM market in the future. There there has been, or or, or certainly we're seeing, possibly as a worst case scenario, dividends dropping by by up to. By up to almost fifty percent in value on the AIM market this year, given um, given the current pandemic and COVID crisis. But of course, recovery will come, um, and we will see. I am sure that recovery take effect in twenty twenty one, right through twenty two and twenty three, back to levels that those peak levels we saw in 2018, 2019, hopefully being surpassed within the next few years. So. Whilst we whilst we navigate these these waters at the moment, 
uh, I think we're in a in a great position on aim at least in the, in its 25 25th year anniversary to to push through and and bring the companies on the journey with them through through growth. I mean, aim as a market generally is 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 a center of choice for for many companies, but given its its easier structure to list and the QCA code, for example, on on compliance with good corporate governance, and I think that encourages companies to to list on aim, however small you are or however large you are. And Kit was absolutely right when when talking about ASOS, and there's a couple of other companies I could mention too, that with their current market cap. They would be significant uh, FTSE 350 or FTSE 100 market participants. So it just goes to show you the value that the aim has to has to give not only to um, the, the the market generally and 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 uh, investor confidence, but also to company directors in seeking to 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 grow their companies. I wanted to add one more thing before we before we move on to to, to other comments on aim, and that is shareholder behaviours. Now, many people listening to podcasts, especially with me in it, um, will know that I'm quite passionate about shareholder engagement. Uh, on aim, uh, in particular, we've seen more engagement from aim shareholders in the proxy flow than we have from the rest of the markets combined. So, for registered shareholders on aim companies. We're getting about six over six percent shareholder engagement in voting, and up to seventy percent of voting via electronic means, which is enormous compared with our with our other markets right through the indices, uh, where we are typically only seeing about four point eight percent of engagement, and about fifty percent, fifty almost fifty one percent of electronic engagement for proxies. So I think AIM demonstrates that those retail investors sometimes could be a lot more engaged in the AIM companies than they are in the fuller listed companies. So I think that's a great, uh, a great attribute that, that AIM should, uh, should look to, to, um, to engage with themselves. I'll move back to you, uh, Lindsay. As you know, I will carry on talking if I'm, if I'm given half the chance. <laughs> no, that was very useful comments, actually. I mean, particularly for me, I think I've learned two two things already today, which is first off, I don't think I fully appreciated the the size of some of the companies that are, are, are listed on AIM. Um, we've mentioned ASOS twice. And also the issues around the shareholder engagement. Um, that That's 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 also very insightful. Thank you, Jay, to, to know that uh, they're certainly ahead of the game on AIM. Um, I wonder if I could bring you back in at this point, Kit. We've talked, we've well, we've touched and talked on a few of the companies and the company types that are listed on AIM. I think it would be interesting really just to understand, first off, some examples of, of, of recent uh, companies, because I, I think I'm aware that there have been, for example, um, some financial partnerships who've been listing um, over the recent years. And also, that's the first point. And secondly, really... If you had to look at what would be a sweet spot for uh, a company who was uh, choosing where to list and, and, and deciding on AIM, please. Sorry, two questions there really in one. No problem, no problem. <clears throat> um, so in, in it's, given the current year and the, the, the paucity of IPOs, it, it's obviously very difficult to, to, to extract any trends from, from that. Um, over the last 12 to 15 months, um, it, there have been a, a limited number of IPOs and probably the most striking 
um, group of companies that have come out of that were, as you say, the professional advisory firms. So we've we've seen three over the last 15 months or so. They were a mixture of partnerships and, and private firms choosing to admit their shares to trading on AIM. In, I think looking forward, the, 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 the things that excite me really about AIM and the, the possibilities really are international companies. I think there are um, a number of US companies, in particular in the, the pharma and tech space, that look to AIM as essentially a first step to um, the public markets. So where they may be perhaps a little too small for, um, for, for the US markets, where they struggle to gain attention of analysts and, and investors, AIM presents a perfect opportunity to, to access a sophisticated and um, knowledgeable investor base. Um, in these specialist technologies. And there's a number of particularly pharma companies from the US that have chosen to, to list on AIM and have then gone through their, their initial stages of growth on the public markets, but then look to add a US listing either on NASDAQ or the NYSE. So it, it is becoming a bit of an established journey for those companies. And, and, it, and it presents you know, a lot of opportunity for, for, for US companies, another option, to access public markets at an earlier stage if they want to retain control of their business. So I think that's that's potentially one of the the, the more exciting um sectors. And the other one um the other one which strikes me is actually the the UK gaming industry. So something the UK has developed a, a bit of a, a a lead in um is the, the 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 gaming industry and and many of those companies have chosen to to join the public markets through AIM. And you know, I mean, each company clearly needs to make its own decision about where it lists and the detail they have, past earnings um, and things like that um, to gain access to the main market. But of course, AIM presents just that slightly lower hurdle in terms of in, in terms of where you are in your corporate development. So you know, I, I, th I think the, the, the great thing about AIM is that it, it um, alongside the main market, it presents um, it, it presents options for all companies at whatever stage of development. Thanks very much, Kit. Um, that, no, that's, that's, that's really interesting and helpful to know, actually, that AIM is there not just for the fledgling companies, but also for companies of all sizes. And I think we've obviously mentioned ASOS and there are others, other uh, large companies as well, such as Boohoo and Jet2, who are also uh, listed on AIM. So I think we will we'll close uh, there. Just a few things uh, to leave you with. We hope you found that um, a helpful and interesting discussion of AIM. And if you are a company that's considering listing, please don't hesitate to contact us, uh, Kit in particular, on this issue if you have any queries. Um, a couple of things just to flag. We have the AIM Awards coming up later in the year, November and December, and Kit uh, is sitting on the judging panel for that. Um, if you would like to see a copy of the Link Dividend Monitor, which we referred to, that was released earlier this month and obviously we'd be delighted to uh, let you have a copy of that. Thank you very much for listening. As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you do want to share your thoughts or even suggest a topic to us, you can email us at podcast at linkgroup.co.uk. We're all also on LinkedIn. So it just remains for me to say thank you all for listening and thank you very much to our two speakers, Kit and Jay, for their contribution today.